0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Bringing It Back podcast. We are so honored that you're here. Our heart is to help you figure out how to navigate life well while keeping Scripture at the foundation of all that we do. We are so excited for this week. Let's get into it.
1: What's going on, people of America? We are bringing it back today. (laughs) Welcome to the Bringing It Back podcast featuring... Myself, Jonah Stairs Stagmaster, and my very good friend, Micah Mersley. What's
0: going on, guys?
1: <laughs> so Micah, just to uh, crack the ice a little bit here, <laughs> I have a great would you rather question. Okay. Would you rather never be able to cut your hair again or never be able to clip your nails again?
0: Uh, never cut your hair. That's an obvious. That's easy. What? That's an easy one. Never cut your hair. Because your nails would get so long, it'd be disgusting.
1: But you love haircuts so much. I thought I was going (laughs) to get you with that. I
0: thought you were going to be like, oh,
1: never clip your nails.
0: But then your nails are just ridiculously long. You can't even do anything. Okay. Never cut your
1: hair again or never shave your face again.
0: Oh, never shave your face. (laughs) That's not even a problem. Isn't it? It's not a problem. Actually... My face would look disgusting. Exactly. Think about how it would look in three months of not shaving. More like three years of not shaving. (laughs) Honestly, in three years of not shaving, I'd probably be what I'm looking for with a little bit of scruff. You'd have like a Fu Manchu. Yeah, I'd go with that. What about yourself? I don't know. Neither. Great icebreaker. (laughs) So, what are we talking about today? All right,
1: I'll think of a better one next time. Today we're talking about um, church, we're talking about what scripture says about church, uh, we're going to talk a little bit about um, celebrity pastors, and just kind of how we view the church, specifically in America, because I don't have another perspective other than America, so, um, but yeah, I think scripture has a lot of good stuff to say, and um I think it's worth cracking open. You know, I I think one thing for me is I've wondered about church in the past. Does it have to look the way it does look? I feel like most churches, for the most part, look the same um, as far as how they do things, and I'm just wondering what Scripture says about that, and and if it's allowed to look different.
0: So, I feel like most people are probably here because they saw my story celebrity pastors and they think that we're just going to be here and tear them a new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are. It's just not the truth. <laughs> just but kidding. we start talking about celebrity pastors a little bit because yep. I think that's, a, a, that's just a big thing right now. Yeah, more absolutely. so than ever just with the social media um, explosion, for lack of a better word, <clears> I think <throat> there's the, some people call them like hype priest because there's like hype beast. There's people who like spend a lot oh, of money. Oh, hype priest? Yeah. I think You said high priest. No, like hype priest. So it's okay. like this, this kind of selective group of celebrity pastors that like spends a lot of money on like designer shoes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen like creatures in sneakers? No, I haven't. But I know a lot of the names that yeah. would fit in that category. Yeah, so, so there's like the Rich Wilkerson, Mike Todd, yeah. um, Chad Veach. There's just like a lot of guys that fit yeah. in that. And they're for like they've just exploded because of the yeah. internet. Uh specifically like Instagram has just allowed them to gain a huge, huge following which I think in a way is really cool because social media, I think, with anything, it's how you use it. I think social media, they're probably using it the way that everyone should use it in some ways. And, you know, they're getting the gospel out there and they're doing that. But I think there's where we come into the danger of, like, are they making the gospel known or are they making themselves known? Um, And even just with teachers in general, there's just a lot of pressures and expectations that are put on them. And I think having social medias that are so followed just make it that much harder. Yeah. And I think... Like, God obviously doesn't hate wealth.
1: He doesn't hate rich people. Um, And often even in Scripture, he'll bless people who follow him and honor him and and follow his laws and have relationship with him. He'll bless them with wealth. And so, I mean, I think there's an in-between here where some people might say, you know, well, what about that verse about a rich man making it into heaven? Okay, just make sure you check the context there and what Jesus is actually talking about because I don't think he's really talking about if you have X amount of dollars, it's going to be hard for you to get into heaven. Um, But I just kind of want to say, I don't think God has anything against wealth because at the end of the day, like you're saying with social media, you know, how are you using it? it? It depends on your heart posture. So it's easy, especially not knowing any of these people personally, it's easy to look at celebrity pastors or even just celebrities in general and be like, oh, well, you're doing life wrong because you're seeking the wrong things or you're doing the wrong things. So mm-hmm. even as we talk about all this, I just I want to be careful not to judge, and I want to just put that word out to everybody else. Be careful not to just finish other people's sentences for them and, and assume that you know what's going on in their heart without actually – having that conversation
0: yeah i think that's something i used to do a lot was sit back and think like man i just know so much better than all these pastors yeah um but i think one you don't know unless you are a pastor then welcome to bring it back but (laughs) um you don't know what it's like to to have to lead a church and the pressures that are involved there and just expectations that like scripture puts on you and the lord puts on you and leading a congregation so one, you don't even understand those much less being a celebrity who's also trying to steward how to be a pastor well, yeah, and steward their congregation. I'll be the first one to say I thought that I knew better, and I don't. So, yeah. like, you have no idea how hard that is. And I have a lot of respect for like our celebrity pastors that we see that try to steward. Being celebrities, and also we—they're only celebrity pastors because we call them that, and because we follow them, right? Um, but what it's like to have to manage that kind of following while also having like a congregation to yeah. to lead. Um, so we want to give them a lot of grace there. Absolutely, and I, yeah. Well, and you think about like just the pressure that comes with that.
1: To like, you're kind of on a bigger stage. And one one thing I just want to point out is, I mean, a lot of these, like, if you're a pastor that the whole world is looking at, you're probably going to be dealing with still a lot of the same stuff that a pastor that has a congregation of 50 people is going sure. through. You know, it, whether it's a different kind of, of sin or, or or, just struggling with different thoughts on, on insecurities and stuff like that. I mean, for the most part, we as humanity go through a lot of the same things. Um, I think we, we, as people who are consumers, put a lot of added pressure on people that we see that are out there that are celebrities um, just because they're easy to – sit in judgment of, you know, yeah. <laughs> it's easy to to say, oh, well, you have you have everything you could ever want, so how are you still making mistakes?
0: And I think that's just kind of an unfair judgment. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, that's right on the nail. Um, you hit the nail on the head there. I sure did. Yeah, I think it's really easy to sit back and judge, but I think the problems that we run into with celebrity pastors are... And I'll speak for myself here a little bit. So I think one of the ones we can talk about is like Transformation Church. Yeah. Um, so I started going to Transformation Church before it was cool, before it blew up <laughs> uh, at their old location. But You're so hip. I, yeah, you know me. I was there kind of in, in the midst of when Mike Todd was gaining all of his following and then all that stuff. And I remember I got to a point where I was taking some friends one day, some people who like didn't go to church. And I was like, man, you've got to come and you got to hear Mike talk, just because he's great. He's a yep. great communicator and I love good communicators. I got there and Mike wasn't preaching. I remember being, one, I was sad because Mike wasn't there, yeah. and I was almost embarrassed that I brought these people here to see Pastor Mike, and he wasn't going to be there. And in that moment, that's when I realized that something was wrong, because I wasn't going to church for the reason that church is in place, was right. to encounter the Father the Holy Spirit, um, and to hear the gospel preach and to be refined by whoever's teaching it. I was there to see Mike Todd. Yeah. And I think that's the problem that we run into with celebrity pastors a lot of times, is we, we take... The things that they're doing and they're saying which is good and you can have your own theology on different pastors and whether you or not you agree with Stephen furtick or not um, but we can take them we can post them their little clips on our instagram stories and we can take the gospel out of that because we're so focused on the person instead of god yeah and that's where the problem comes in with celebrity pastors. yeah
1: absolutely and so i mean
0: it, it really
1: comes down to what your heart is when you're going to church, or or when you're um, listening to a, a podcast, even one as good as ours and as widespread as ours, I mean, are you here <laughs> <laughs> to learn from Scripture? Or are you here to learn from us? Because I mean, that's just a good a good check right there. I mean, Mike and I aren't quite celebrities, but I mean, we're getting there. Let's face it. Um, totally kidding, by the way. If you didn't pick up, um, and so I'm just going to come right out and say. I personally, and I'm not basing this off of any kind of, like, well, God told me this. I'm just saying, for me personally, I don't like megachurches. Um, I don't feel at home at mega churches. I don't really like um, going to them. For me, I mean, the, the draw of the loud music and the really charismatic speaker, it's cool, but it almost feels like a concert. Um and again, it, here's, here's the line I think we have to tiptoe a little bit, is on the one hand, I don't have to go there, right? Yep. And when I do go there, it's still up to me to test that word, take it to the Lord, and kind of filter what these pastors are saying in my relationship with God. Otherwise, if I'm just going to a church for, to, to hear the pastor speak or to hear that band play, then they're just becoming an idol, and
0: it, it's really just kind of defeating the purpose of church like you were saying. Yeah, and I think—let me throw a scripture in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Just to do what we do here, Acts 17 and and this is what you should be doing with any church, but just to back up Jonah's point so you don't just think he's talking because I want to have my man's back, no doubt. Um, now these Jews were more noble than those in Thessalonica. They received the word with all eagerness, examining scriptures daily to see if these things were so. So they're testing what's being taught in scripture, which is yeah. what you should do with any church. You yeah. should go back and confirm the scripture. Yeah, absolutely. Also, I don't know if it's Thessalonica or Thessalonica. I remember hearing that in my high school Bible Thessalonica. class. Thessalonica. Yeah. So continue with what we're <laughs> um, So I, there, there's a balance because,
1: I mean, if you go into a church and just everything you feel is, is just wrong— I think obviously part of that is on you. You don't have to go there. You need to be testing that word. But also, like, where's the accountability? With how do you how are you ever able to look at a church and say, hey, I think they might be doing something wrong? Not that you need to go up to them and be like, you're doing something wrong. But like, is it okay to look at a church and just say, I think there's a better way, and I think that you know,
0: I think you you get what I'm saying about any church, though. Yeah. Well, absolutely. Absolutely. There's always going to be something. I think if you find a perfect church, leave it immediately because you'll ruin it. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> but I think I would. I wouldn't push back. Wouldn't push back on that. But I think something is cool about that. At least for my life is that, like my freshman year to where you when I started going to Transformation Church, that was the first time that I think I was excited about yeah. going to church. Um, Which there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, at all. <laughs> yeah, because I think my church when I look back now is something that, and I'll, I'll come back to that. But my church like when I was in, in kid and in high school. Um, it just seemed boring for lack of a better term. Like yeah. it was always sit around and talk with people after church and I was just ready to get over to the Pizza Hut buffet yeah and to do my thing. Um, and then when I got to school it was like, man, like this, this teacher's charismatic. he relates with me, he says things that I understand. Yeah, um, I'm excited to go. And I think that's that's part of maturity a little bit. And I think that's yeah. something that maybe I don't know if I would say all mega churches, but at least my experience with somewhat of a mega church in transformation, um, is it got me excited about church for the first time, and I think as I matured, I started to realize things that I maybe didn't agree with that were being taught, yeah. and something like that. And that's when I start to look back on like the church that I went to in high school that our parents were involved in, and that's when I start to appreciate that a little bit more. So I think there's a maturity thing. Yeah. So I think mega churches or just different kinds of churches can be good for certain seasons because that's what I needed because it got me excited about going to church and being involved somewhere for the first time. Absolutely. And then I kind of grew and matured out of that.
1: Yeah. I'm... This is interesting because I always, kind of through high school and right out of high school, I got excited about, like you were saying, I got excited about a church that I felt like the message was was really powerful. I really connected with the message. Um, Or like the worship was on point, as they say. Um, But as I feel like I've grown and matured and just become more of an adult, the part of church I'm most excited about is when I see my friends there, and it's like before church, and we're, we're catching up, we're talking, we're connecting, and then after church, when we're, when we're talking and we're connecting, we're talking about the message or whatever. And I think it's important to note, so a, a lot of the scripture we're gonna be in tonight is the New Testament, because a lot of it is letters written by Paul to churches. churches. <laughs> yeah. And not as not only are they written to churches, but most of them, if not all of them, are written about how to do church. Um, he's bringing correction or encouragement to these church leaders and, and telling them, you know, how they should be doing things. And so, I mean, what better way for us to look into Scripture and kind of decipher how we're supposed to do church? Mm-hmm. And... I've found um, just through reading the New Testament, I feel like there are th- kind of three essential parts to church, and one I think is definitely a teaching. One is worship, and then the third I think is fellowship. Like there needs to be what some the is, yeah, there needs to be some kind of connection there. Um, so I would say I would I would say I'm not saying this necessarily is scripture, but I would say if you're going to church and you're not connecting with other believers then you're missing the point of church. Um, so I'm just going to throw that out there. But I, I do like what you said about different seasons. Yeah. yeah. Like sometimes you just need a
0: different kind of church in a different season. Yeah, and I think also something I want to touch on real quick before we move too quick away from the celebrity pastor sure, thing. Sure, yeah, yeah. Um, is I think, I've seen a lot of, maybe this is just my circle at ORU, people are just so judgmental at ORU and they all think they have it figured out, which is very draining to be around. But specifically yeah. with pastors, everyone's got their own beef. I think they almost feel validated when they're able to like see something wrong in a celebrity pastor, <laughs> like oh Stephen Furtick posted that and they're like oh that's not right I don't agree with that yeah and they almost take pride in like seeing fault in somebody, um, but Philippians one fifteen through eighteen says it is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry but others out of goodwill the latter do so out of love knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel the former preach Christ out of selfish ambition not sincerely supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. So I think even if you don't agree with some celebrity pastor, even if you don't like them, is the gospel being preached? Yes, the gospel is being preached. And I think if any of you guys have seen the American Gospel documentary, did you ever watch that? Yeah, I did. Yeah, I think something that, it's definitely a conversation that needs to be had. But um, something that I didn't like is how they almost like, I don't want to say demonized, but they took all these pastors and made them seem like evil people. When at the end of the day, like they're still preaching the gospel. And mm-hmm. sure there's things, theology that we don't, theologically that we don't totally agree with, but the gospel is being preached. And I think it's really easy to get caught up in judgment of that, especially with celebrity pastors and people we don't know. But I think that goes back into churches and all. Yeah, absolutely.
1: And just off that as well, I, I think in general, in America... We idolize people too much. Probably just in the world in general. It's probably okay to make that generalization. But we just idolize people too much. Mm-hmm. Or like, if, if, if we feel like somebody is really blessed, then it's like, the closer I can get to that person, the more blessed I will be. Which I think is just a misinterpretation of how the kingdom of God works. I mean, the closer you get to Jesus, that's where the blessings come raining down. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But you still got to have the perspective for that. But I just want to read... Uh bring it back to First Corinthians chapter two. Right at the beginning, it's this is Paul talking. He says, When I came to you, brothers, I did not come with eloquence or superior wisdom as I proclaimed to you the testimony about God. For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He's saying I don't need fancy words. All I have is the testimony of Jesus Christ and him being crucified. And he keeps saying in verse three. I came to you in weakness and fear and with much trembling. How many of you look for that in a pastor? My message and my preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power, so that your faith might not rest on men's wisdom, but on God's power. And that, to me, is a really powerful section of Scripture because I think it just—he's really hammering home— Hey, you, you, you judge a tree by the fruit, right? You, I, I think if you really want to judge a church, judge it on its display of the Holy Spirit's power, not on its teaching or, or the, the, uh, the wisdom of the pastor or the, you know, the great words that they speak. You know, like those people who always want to pray really long prayers because they think it makes them sound more spiritual. It's like, who cares? Show me that you're carrying the Holy Spirit and His power And that is what will show me that you are following the Lord, that that you're doing his will. Um, And so I just really want to hammer that home. Look at the fruit of the ministry, the church, the pastor, whatever. If you look at their fruit, then it's easier to see what their relationship with the Lord is like. If they have no fruit, then it's all talk, honestly, at the end of the day. That's kind of what it comes down to. And later on in chapter 3 in 1 Corinthians, Paul kind of hits this point home again where it's not about him, it's not about the teacher, the preacher, whoever, it's all about God. This is chapter 3, verse 4, and he says, For one of you says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos. Are you not mere men? What after all is Apollos, and what is Paul? We're only servants through whom you came to believe as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. And then verse 7 is the kicker. It says, so neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. And even if it's just something you do within your heart every Sunday or, or whenever you go to church or whatever, I think it's important that you just take a moment to check your heart and remind yourself that, at the end of the day, these pastors and these teachers, they are really useful, and they can provide really useful insights into Scripture. I mean, they're called to preach the gospel, which there's nothing wrong with that at all. But if you're giving them credit for the things God is doing in your life, I think that's just something that you kind of need to rearrange in your mind and in your heart.
0: Yeah, I think you want to talk in First Corinthians 12 a lot, right? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Go ahead and crack that open. I'll let you say what you want.
1: All right, yeah. So also in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16, Paul says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? And I think a lot of us have heard that before. It's easy to gloss over because it's so commonly said. But I, the, the kind of church that I feel like my heart is longing for, and just to be transparent with you guys, um, I feel like I feel this stirring in my spirit the past couple of years, to not necessarily evaluate, but just to explore with the Lord what church can look like, and does it have to look like what it looks like right now? Um, And I think the way Scripture is laid out, there are a lot of great parameters in here, but there's also a lot of room for. I guess, being creative with the Holy Spirit on what church can look like. And so chapter 12 of verse Corinthians talks a lot about spiritual gifts. And I'm not going to read the whole thing to you. Um, but it talks about the—he thir- lists off nine different spiritual gifts, but there are probably a lot more than nine. Um, and then, the- then he starts talking about one body and many parts. And, he- and this is verse 12 in chapter 12. He says, the body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts— and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So to, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. And the rest of that chapter talks about the body and the different parts. And I think if you're in a church where it only seems like one or two body parts are actually the functioning body parts, and everything else is just kind of dead. I think that's one way, again, to to look at church and just kind of reevaluate what it can look like and what Scripture calls it to look like. Because as somebody who goes to church, I feel like I have something to offer. Sure. I feel like I'm part of the body. I feel like I'm a member of the body, and there's something I should be doing, something I should be bringing to the table. And I, like, I would love to walk into church and just feel a space for that, a space for me to contribute, you know, not that it shouldn't be structured or organized in some way, but I, I'd, I mean, I would love to get a word from the Lord and feel the freedom to share that with the church group. I don't know that I've ever really felt that during a church service, though.
0: Yeah, I think... Did you watch the Francis Chan video I told you to watch? The Francis Chan on Why I Left My Mega Church? Yes. Yeah, that's a great video. You guys should definitely go watch that if you're listening. It's called, I think it's just called Francis Chan on Why I Left My Mega Church. But something he touches on that I think is really important to hone in on, he just talks about how he started like a church in his living room and it grew to a church of a few thousand people. Um, And he just looked around one day and was like, what are we doing here? Like every single person in this church has a spiritual gift. They have like a supernatural gift to offer and everyone here is coming to hear what i say. Um, so everyone's coming here to get fed. and i think that's another thing. if you're just going to church to get your little feel good message and then go home you're missing the point. and i would even say tell me if you think you disagree with this, but i think as far as like serving in church, i think serving in church cuz like there's a whole body of believers. like everyone is the church. yeah. and i think you should be involved in your local church and i th- like your church that you're involved in. of course i say that. and i'm not currently serving at my church, but um, I think I have other avenues, like I have the missions department that I do stuff through, and I have, you know, Shepherds Fold. So I think, are you taking what you're being taught, are you being equipped on Sunday, and then are you living that out, but are you having somewhere that you're going to serve, that you're using your spiritual gifts, I think is the important thing. So I don't even know, I would encourage you to work in the church that you're a member of, but would you say that it's okay to go and do and serve outside of your specific congregation? Yeah, absolutely.
1: Okay. Yeah, I— and that's the thing is everything in scripture is pointing towards the church as a unified body and paul's not even saying unified just within yourselves in your building in your city yeah. he's saying unified with the entire body of christ which is everyone who follows christ everyone who's received him and even even that thought that's like oh, well, I'm a member of this church, so I can't go serve at this church, or I can't go serve in this capacity in this way. Like, I'm, I'm exclusive to my church. It's, to me, that just sounds so divisive, and it's so petty, and it doesn't sound like unification at all. And I understand, like, there are different denominations. Listen, I'm not here to offend anybody, but I just want to speak my heart when I say, like, I... I don't know that that's the way church is supposed to look. And we say it so often for us to still be in this place. We always say, well, the church isn't a building. The church isn't within four walls, you know. The church is the body of Christ. But for some reason, we're still limiting the church to the building, to the the nonprofit 501c3. That's what the church is. People say, I'm going to church, and that only ever means I'm going to a building to worship and to hear a teaching. I've never heard anybody use that. I'm going to church for it to mean something other than that. And I just, I'm just going to say this. In what I've read in scripture, which is all of it at one point or another, <laughs> I haven't seen anything that says The church has to be a business. The church has to make X amount of dollars per year to be successful. The church has to, um, you know, have this many followers on their social media. I haven't seen that anywhere in Scripture. Um, And in my mind and in my my spirit and the way the Lord talks to me, like my desire— To see a church look a different way, but still follow the guidelines and the parameters that are laid out in Scripture. I mean, it's really starting to build in me where I'm like, why can't church be a group of 20 people gathering in a house and everybody has a voice? Everybody has something to offer. Everybody is activating and and acting in their spiritual gifts and there's the the fivefold ministry it talks about in Ephesians chapter four verse eleven. There's this this mantle on people in the in the body of of Christ to be prophets, to be teachers, evangelists, and pastors. And um, there's one more there. There's five prophets, evangelists, teachers, pastors, and apostles. Boom, nailed it. Um, and like I, I don't I don't really know of a church where I've seen those different gifts being activated, those different things being pursued. I mean, Paul's really clear, especially in First Corinthians, if you're gonna pursue one thing as a church, pursue love.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Pursue love. And then beyond that, pursue the prophetic, pursue prophecy. Because when you prophesy over each other, you're building up the church, you're building up each other. But even beyond that, pursue the spiritual gifts. Um, and and I really have this desire to see church look more like a community and less like a gas station that you're just going to get filled up at. And I know it depends on the individual. It depends on the person. But I don't see anywhere in Scripture that says a church has to be a business. And I think as church, as soon as church becomes a business, and again, there are exceptions to this rule. I'm not trying to paint any blanket statements here. But as soon as a church becomes a business, aren't all businesses motivated by money? And if you're motivated by money, how can you be motivated by God? All right? Like a, a, a kingdom divided against itself can't stand. And even Jesus says, you can't love me and love money. You got to pick one. Sure. And I'm at this place where I'm like, I mean, yes, you do need to tithe. That is in Scripture. You do need to give your first fruits, your, your 10%. You do need to tithe. But... Beyond that, like, why does the tithe have to go towards a salary for a pastor? Why does a pastor, why does that have to be a full-time job? Why can't I work my full-time job doing whatever out in the world and be pastor of this community, of this church, of this little group of people that we're doing life together? And and I feel like, to me, that's that's what I want church to look like. And there's still a lot of prayer and a lot of scripture that's going to go in, to developing that with the Lord, but I'm kind of in this place where I'm like, you know, if if you have these people that are truly starting to represent like a family, a kingdom family, isn't that just the most attractive thing in the world? When you're worshiping with your family, when you're you're connecting with your family, and you're learning, everybody has this thing that they're offering this uh, these gifts that they're bringing to the table. That to me is so attractive. Uh, and so why can't church look like that and I'm not saying like you have to cap it at 20 people but I mean if it gets any bigger than that why not split off and, and have somebody else's house start getting filled and then split off from there and have somebody else's house and, and you're all still a part of the church because the church is the body of Christ so it's not like you're dividing I mean at that point it's just like planting regular churches but I, I think it's I think and, and I really think this is a, a prophetic word from the Lord that I believe he's kind of bringing this culture shift and, and really uh, bringing people up to bring the culture of the kingdom in a way that just looks different. There's nothing in scripture that I have found that says church has to look the way that it does right now in America and even throughout other parts of the world. Um, there's nothing that says church has to be a nonprofit business. You know, and, and so I'm I'm sitting here like, why can't me and my friends pull 10% of our income and go use that money to, you know, feed the poor, help out a homeless person, or just do whatever the Lord is saying we should do? So I'm going to stop talking.
0: Yeah. Because I feel like you got something. No, so, yeah, I think, as Jonah says, I, I don't want you guys to hear that. I think. Every church has to be a house church. Yeah. Because uh, there's nothing wrong with church, and there's nothing being involved with a body of believers. But
1: I'm I'm kind of tired of people looking at house churches and saying that's not church.
0: I'm not saying it's not church.
1: Right. I'm just saying, like, I've heard people say that. or It's okay that you go to your Bible study or you have your house church. Just make sure you're going to a real church. Like, I've been told that before. And I'm like, why, why does... It says so many times church is the body of Christ, and we say it all the time. Church isn't a building. So why is there this thing that's like, oh, well, I have to, on Sunday mornings, go to a building with a group of people yeah. and do this thing? And I don't know. I just
0: – Yeah. Does the Bible say Sunday morning? I don't, I don't think – I don't want to misquote. I don't. no. I don't no, think it, anywhere it, that the Bible no, says Sunday morning. Yeah. Uh, oh, man. That's really good. I hope that makes you guys uncomfortable. Um, as he says that, I hope it uh, rubs you the wrong way a little bit, almost. So yeah. It challenges your way of thinking because I know it probably does. know yeah. Because we have a very uh, set way of thinking about it's church. Very, and how we it's do very, it's very established for yeah, sure. It's very counter what you're used to. Yeah. I think if it's uncomfortable, that might be good for you.
1: I think that's part of. i i you know, we've we've grown up with the same view of church because it's pretty much always looked the same. Yeah. And so. Why? Why can't it look different? I'm not saying it's wrong the way it is. Let yeah. me just say, that. I'm not saying it's wrong the way it is, but I don't think that is the only way. I don't think that's the only right way to do church. And if the right way to do church is that we're a unified body of Christ, I see a lot of division in the church. Not that that's what I'm looking for in the church, but you know, it like, I I want to play a part into bringing unity into the kingdom, bringing unity. Into the church,
0: you know, preparing the bride mm-hmm. for the groom to sure. show up. Yeah, I think the church shouldn't look like an orphanage where it's just a bunch of people coming in and being taken care of by one person, like a pastor. Yeah, um, I think it should look a lot more like you know, a foster family, like people who are in it together, getting yeah. adopted together, and being loved as one. That's a good picture, I think. You know? Yeah, so I think that's a, a helpful way to look at it, but. Um, just to kind of wrap up, we just want you guys to, again, take it back to Scripture. So as you hear this, maybe and your are challenged, you rub the wrong way, get in Scripture and look for yourself at what it says and then take a look at your own life and how you're living and think about where you're involved. And again, I am in no way saying that the church you're at is wrong. I have a church I'm involved in here in Tulsa and I yep. love it a lot and I think it's a great depiction of what the church should look like. Um, so don't think, oh, I have to drop out of my church and go to a house church. And also, have a little bit of grace with your celebrity pastors. Their position is a lot harder than you give it credit for. And no, you probably don't know better, even though you think you do. So be nice to them. And if you don't agree with their theology, get in the Bible and look up why you don't agree with their theology. Don't just disagree with them to be cool or different Yeah. and put yourself on a pedestal. And on the flip
1: side of that, if all of your belief system just comes from what your pastor has told you, get in Scripture with the Holy Spirit, with Jesus, and develop your own belief system through scripture on a foundation of scripture in your relationship with God. If your foundation is your church, if your foundation is your pastor, you're doing it wrong. Your foundation needs to be Jesus, your relationship with Jesus, and your scripture, your Bible. Um, and so just make sure that, again, with everything you're hearing, take it to the word, test it against scripture and in your relationship with God. Um, Don't just take somebody's word for it. And Micah and I aren't perfect, and we're not theologians. I'm far from perfect. I'm far
0: from a theologian.
1: I'm pretty close to both. but um, (laughs) um, Still (laughs) (laughs) 5'10". But if you hear something and you're like, whoa, I don't think that's right, man, I'd love to have that conversation with you because I might be wrong, 100%. Um, I might have interpreted something wrong or or read something wrong. Um, I don't think I am, but i might be so i'm definitely willing to to have those conversations for sure um but yeah take I, I think take this to your relationship with the lord i would love for everybody to take this specific podcast take it to your relationship with the lord take it to scripture and this is one that i would really love to hear some feedback on as well
0: yeah and even as you hear this if you think man I would like to go to church and you let me know and I would love to drive you to City Church on Sunday. I would yeah. genuinely be my privilege and I would be so happy about that. But that's all the time we got for you guys today. And we love you. We will see you next pod. Peace. Peace.